Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at horrormakesushappy.com. Today's guest is Jeremiah Rosario. He is uh, best known for, let's say, a short film, Cat Sick Blues, Sick Blues. Did I get that right? Yep, that's correct. Okay. And also uh, 13th Floor Productions. It's a, it's a movie review website, right? Yes, it is. Awesome. All right. How you doing, Jeremiah? Good to have you. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. Um, I just want to say I really love your voice, and I want you to read me a bedtime story. <laughs> yes, yes. It's called Go the Fuck to Sleep by Sam Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> and already dropping F-bombs before the disclaimer. Awesome. I'm good at this. <laughs> I'm a bad influence on you, Chris. It's true. It's true. Before we get started, a little information for you and the listeners. Here are your trigger warnings. We're going to be talking about horror movies, which could involve anything from murder, rape, suicide, child abuse. There will be F-bombs. There, there it is. So if you're not prepared <laughs> for that, please take care of yourself and come back when you're ready. And now that I've said all that, fuck shit, cunt, piss. <laughs> Cocksucker, motherfucker. There you go. Yeah, yeah, things in order. Darn it. Gosh darn it, all the heck. <laughs> <laughs> oh no not the h word <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so basically in the interview we're going to be asking uh three sets of questions covering your childhood teenage years and adulthood to find out what it is about horror that you like you know, the idea is and what what you like and, and also possibly some things to, you know that were on the uh, the opposite side of what you like like what scared you uh, yeah, but that's what I like. <laughs> ah, so you can see you got both going on at the yeah, same those, time. Those two things coincide with each other, man. That's that's the whole point. You know, find out why. Why? All right, let me let me lay down on the couch and I guess <laughs> Right. <laughs> Let's get to that it. That brings us to our next point. That being said, this isn't meant to be a therapy session. So if there are any questions that you don't want to answer, you know, it's, it cuts too deep or whatever, just just say I'll pass on that one and we'll move on. So we can't talk about my fetishes? We I mean, you can if you can want. If you want to. Yeah, we've, we've had our trigger warning. Go ahead and let the fetishes fly, man. You like push right. it? Yeah, man. That's actually what I wanted to. I was going to complain. We don't have enough uh, f- like foot and horror at all, or uh, just in cinema, really. Clearly, you've never seen a Quentin Tarantino movie, sir. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. That's that, <laughs> that, that, that was like a really obvious, a low hanging fruit right there. But who's going to take up the mantle after that? You know what I mean? You. I guess ah, I could. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Write this Be down. the change you want to see in the world. My next short film. <laughs> what change you want to see in the world? <laughs> we'll be we'll be featured on youporn.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, we're going to start this off with uh childhood. What are some of your earliest memories of scary things when you were a kid? Uh my religion. Okay. That's a good one. That's that's good. So um, I grew up in a, a very religious uh, household, a uh, Christian household. I can relate. Um, yeah. And uh, though I'm, I'm still, uh, I subscribe to a lot of that faith, I'm, I'm definitely disconnected from the religion, you know, the dogma and all that stuff. But um, growing up, it was more just a total pain in the ass, you know, like I didn't want to go to church. I wanted to stay home and watch Ren and Stimpy, you know, <laughs> with the religion aspect of it. The only part that I was really into was like all the really dark stuff that you'd like find in the Bible, like, like at the back of the book. Revelations. It's where all the good stuff is. Revelations. Yeah, it's where all the good stuff is, man. So 
What was it? Yeah. A giant horned beast with seven heads and twelve diadems or something like that? Yeah, like, when are we when are we getting that movie? You know? Yeah, Passion of the Christ. Come on, man, give us revelations. That's I think that's I think they kind of touched right? on that in uh This is the End. That was a yeah, big yeah, they devil did. With they did a little bit, yeah. They lots kind of, of heads, lots of horns. Yeah. I was gonna say I think that's been in a couple movies, really. Yeah, so I think that stuff, you know, I already knew I, I had this kind of um dark sensibility and um uh that stuff really intrigued me. And I just mm-hmm. gravitated to, you know, to all that stuff. Um, not because I was like, ah, oh, I want to become some like crazy ass, like a cultist or some shit. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it was just, it's always fascinating. I don't know. I think it is, you know. It's so, uh, the forbidden fruit, if you will. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, pretty much. Um, as far as what scared me as a kid, I mean, at that point, when you grow up in a very conservative household, pretty much everything, man. Like, like, you know, like most of my diet that was with my parents, uh, was like PG rated stuff. So if I saw anything, even like just remotely scary, like Jaws was scared the shit out of me. You know what I mean? Like that's what rated PG, uh, PG 13. Is it now? Cause of the, I know it came out way before the, uh, PG 13 rating, but yeah, I think it was rated PG PG back then, and the the, the uh, rating system was a lot looser back then. So, mm-hmm. I definitely can relate to you because my my so I was raised by my grandmother, who was the head lector of our church. Oh okay. wow! And before he passed away, my grandfather was the deacon, uh, one Jesus. of the deacons of the church, literally. And so, <laughs> um, and my I'm half Polish. My grandmother spoke Polish, so on certain Sundays. Because she didn't believe in, you know, babysitters. Why do that when she could just bring me to church, make me sit in the first pew in the church so she could keep an eye on me while she's reading the mass? <laughs> there you go, man. Steve, yeah, how, how, how long were your, were your uh, uh, I guess, the uh, the whole session at church, like the uh, services? So, like the average hour? Yeah. Like how, how, long, how long did they run for? Well, that was the thing is on the, on the days that she was reading the English mass and the Polish mass, I'd have to sit through four masses on one Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I thought I was going to have you beat like the one I used to go to was like three hours. Um, oh my God. It, it just, this is kind of horror related. Um, I had an exorcism performed on me. What? Yes. Really? Yeah, I can't believe I almost forgot this. Yeah, as a so, child, as a like child, how, how old were you? I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. I don't even have a recollection. A recollection. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Before we get into the exorcism, what did you do that made them think you needed one? <laughs> I was lactose intolerant. That's that was the whole. <laughs> you know, you think uh, I was completely misdiagnosed here. It's not demons. Wow. It was milk. <laughs> So um, that happens a lot with religion. You know, the whole science thing gets thrown by the wayside and they're like devils. Yep. You, you got devils inside you. Yeah, man. I, so, I hate to, I hate to ask this question, but I have to, uh, was this in the U S did you, were you born in the U S oh, yeah. or did this happen somewhere else? Oh, and then no, you came yeah, here this, this is the U S but, um, um, I, I, Bible belt. I, no, no, actually this is New York. Is I was going to say, yeah. Did you not hear his accent? Come on. Cool. And uh, <laughs> um, I'm I'm half Puerto Rican, half Dominican, which are uh, there's a lot of religion in both yeah. those cultures, you know, yeah. big time. And um, you combine them, and it's this kind of like explosion of that stuff. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, they thought uh, because I was acting up and and screaming and rolling on the ground after like I guess being fed from the bottle or whatever, 
Mm. Oh, you mean as a baby? Yeah, yeah that's like, really young. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. I thought wow. you were like you know six or seven years old and no, you know acting up or something. I don't remember that. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. So they, uh, you know, they did their version of an exorcist uh, exorcism, and uh, I don't know. It obviously, didn't cure me. I don't. I can't drink milk still. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the demons are gone, but yeah. or they put or they put the demons in me. I'm like more into horror than I've ever been. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's. That's just uh, one of those things. Uh, I think I think religion just is a really good uh, a bedfellow for horror. I really do think that that's the case. It as much is. as as much as religion likes to kind of like denounce that stuff, it's just weird how how well they kind of work together. Well, yeah, it kind of has it built in, you know. I mean, you yeah. have your good versus evil battle right from the go, and and you have depends your, on the your classic villain, and it's it also depends on religion too. It's, yeah, it, there are many different facets, but they all do kind of share that dichotomy of of good versus evil. I mean, no, except, uh, no, you know, Buddhism. no, 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 no. Well, no? also Shinto or Shinto. Yeah, yeah. Shinto Shinto's more about um, harmony with nature. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. Ruling out existential altruism religions. How about that? <laughs> um just quickly what part of what part of new york city or yeah i grew up in queens uh in okay. astoria specifically and then uh we eventually moved over to uh to flushing but um mm-hmm. yeah man it's you wouldn't think like this kind of stuff oh new york is as liberal and you know as it is and it's, you got, no, you got that, mean, you, that shit's everywhere man there's conservative conservative people everywhere yeah. i i grew up i moved around a lot but that particular stuff about church was in Chicago. Uh, I went to high school in Jersey, just on the other side of the, the bay. Mm-hmm. So, so we've got religion, Jaws. Well, mm-hmm. how old were you when you saw Jaws? Yeah. Maybe like eight or nine. Okay. So definitely childhood. Yeah. There. Uh, let, yeah. Me, let me tell you, that wasn't actually the first horror film I, I watched as a kid. It was The Shining. It's on my, uh, my profile on Letterboxd. But um, basically what it was is um, my dad had rented it him and my mom were watching it and i woke up uh middle of the night while they were watching it kind of snuck behind them through the living Mm. room i went through the kitchen and i was like behind the couch excuse me i was there uh i i kind of walked in just as like you know that part where danny uh he's in bed and he's got his mouth like wide open he's just like he's seeing all the blood coming out of the elevator and all these the visions happening and just before he passes out you know it's mm-hmm. kind of early on back of head. yeah yeah that whole that whole thing i ended up screaming when that part <laughs> happened it caused my parents to turn around and, yeah like what are you <laughs> first of all i said what are you doing watching horror films you said i can't watch this shit because this is not allowed but um yeah, they were watching it yeah my dad got he, he you know he grabbed me uh spanked me and then sent me off to bed <laughs> and um so like trauma i was like spanked and i had this thing in my head and um how dare you yeah right <laughs> um, anything else uh, jump out as at you as being memorable um, as a as a child um there we had this one sleepover uh, when i was like 12 at uh, my best friend's house and he had rented this movie called Candyman. Mm-hmm. and um okay cool let's let's watch candy man so i'm watching it as anyone who's watched that movie knows, it takes place in the projects, uh, Cabrini mm-hmm. Green. And um, uh, so right away, I'm like, this is this is new territory for me. You know what I mean? For a horror film. I'm like, wow, this is, this is in- intense. This is right outside my window. The fact that Candyman was uh, 
you know, attacking these people living in the projects, it made it way more real for me. And it's, I mean, it scared the absolute hell out of me, man. I mean, it was so bad. I, I got to a point where um, midway through the woman who gets, uh, she's basically gutted and um, left there kind of just like splayed open and she, it just her face turns pale and she's just left on the ground. And um, the image of that, just like a black woman who uh, like all the blood had been emptied out of her body. Her face was like white. I mean, I, I remember just being paralyzed by that and mm. I didn't even want to get up to even press stop on the VCR. I, I remember finally gathering the courage to stop the movie and uh, I threw on Looney Tunes instead. And, of course. You know, I needed that. To, I needed to chase that movie down with that. Yeah, power cleanser. Yeah, and and I ended up. It, it took me, man, maybe two or three years before I got. I came back to it. Um, that's how messed up I was from. Like I, I couldn't even. I didn't even want to utter the the name Candyman. It, it well, really no. messed mm-hmm. me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially five times or however many times it was that you got to say it. Uh, so what happened was years later. I'm talking about like I'm in my 30s now. I got to meet Tony Todd mm. and um, at a festival. And I told him, I thanked him, actually. I said, hey, you know, you gave this lower class people and people living in the projects a horror icon for themselves, finally. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, we've never had, we didn't have that, really. Uh, nothing like, you know, that, that was, uh, I guess, as big as Candyman was. And um, I thanked him. And he didn't even, re- I guess he did, that never occurred to him. He was like... Huh. Yeah, he was like, "Holy shit, you're right." He goes, "What?" He's like, "Wow, man, that's thank you, thank you for that story." And he gave me a hug, and he's just like, "Wow, that's that's." And I think by having that conversation with him, I finally kind of uh, got closure to that whole thing. Yeah, man, I was like, "Okay, he's a nice guy. He's not going to (laughs) kill." Plus, it puts an interesting twist on it to that you like you know you told him about that, and he hadn't thought of that before. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I. Taught Tony taught something today. I taught yeah. Candyman. <laughs> yeah, it was it was something I'll never forget. But um, yeah, that's that's probably the most like uh, profound horror experience I've had as a child. It was with Candyman. Yeah, sounds like. All right, so yeah, that did go off on a tangent through adolescence and kind of into into adulthood. Backtrack a little bit. We got just a few more questions in uh, in childhood here. Could have been stemmed from something like Candyman, or I guess if it's back in childhood, more uh, religion, but. Do you have any scary dreams as a child that you remember? Scary dreams as a child. Um, yeah, there was actually one I had. Uh, man, this isn't going to even make any sense, but you know, like it's a dream, so whatever. And it was still when I lived in in the projects. Um, I had this. It was a reoccurring one where we had these bunk beds uh, in my room. It was me and my sister, and she was in the bottom bunk. I was on the top. And I remember waking up in the dream. I, I woke up in the dream, and. Um, in the corner of our bedroom, there's a rocking chair and there was a decaying old woman, you know, with white stringy hair. And she's sitting in there, sitting, mm-hmm. sitting in the, on the chair and, um, uh, you know, her eyes are all recessed and everything. And she's just kind of rocking back and forth. Her skin is like, uh, she looks like, a, like a, a corpse that was like exhumed or something, you know, like just, just gone. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, I remember like the, the moonlight coming in through our window and her, her skin kind of, lit blue uh, mm-hmm. by that. And um, uh, I remember getting up from my bed and looking at her and realizing I had to get out of the room. I started making my way down the bunk bed and 
my sister who was on the kind of you know she was on the bottom she she kind of looked up at me and i i like kind of motioned for her to leave mm-hmm. so she ran and when she ran you know this old woman was like tracking her as she left the room and then her head you know she it snapped back to me and i just froze on the st- on the stairs i ended up jumping down uh went into my sister she has this like uh she had this little pouch where there was like toys and everything and uh, i grabbed this um and i don't know if you remember these things but maybe this was just a new york thing but we had there was like these uh toy ice cream cones that you press a button it shoots the ice cream out of it like with a string and then you just it's the sense of the string it just you pull it back put it put it in it's like a ice cream gun i guess i don't know but i took that thing and i remember shooting it at her i guess i'm a kid you know that was like the my my weapon it didn't do anything so <laughs> I forgot to say this is battery acid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um and then I was like, all right, I'm just gonna make a run for it. And when I tried to run, her arm extended the way like Freddy Krueger's did in the first film, and she just knocked me back into my sister's bed. She stood up and started to transform and from across the room, like her arm must have extended like 12 feet and like just face palm, boom, right? And knocked me down. And then she stood up and transformed kind of the way, uh, you remember the librarian in Ghostbusters? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. Just like, ah, like she just came alive. And, uh, you know, and then I shit my pants naturally. And all- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I woke up and uh, I've had that, I, man, I had that dream so many times. And I remember there was even one time when I had the dream and I'm like, I'm not shooting with the ice cream. Uh, because that's probably what's triggering her. And I remember that just completely uh, backfiring. It didn't do anything. Do you have the um, same dream multiple times? And it was always the same beginning scenario. Like you wake up, she's over in the rocking chair, you try to climb down, you're like, what am I going to do now? Yeah, because I I remember I kept telling myself in the dream, I I wasn't aiming the ice cream cone right or something. I I really got to just, I got a nail or I got to get her with this thing. And um, no, and then finally I was like, all right, no ice cream cone. I'm just going to run. And that just (laughs) ended up being worse. But, uh, <laughs> Apparently, yeah. it's not like one of those boss fights where you're not supposed to fight the boss. You're just supposed to run and survive until it gets you to the next level. <laughs> yeah, not, not that one. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, the end of Super Metroid. You just got to die to survive, and then, uh, then you can kick her ass after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's a, that's the only dream I could think of right now. Um, as a child, I have one as an adult that is pretty terrible, but um, we'll get there. We'll, we'll yeah. get there. All right. So to go back to the movies for a minute, um, did you know that you were supposed to be excited by them or that they were entertainment or like, did you not know that and you were just terrified? I didn't even think that that deep into it. It's just, um, you know, it's kind of like you can't help who you fall in love with. Right. So it's the same thing. It's just I was just gravitating towards this stuff because there was something in me uh, that just found it so fascinating and compelling. And I guess when you have a, like a visceral reaction to something. Um, you can keep revisiting it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and trying to see, you want to experience the same feeling again. So maybe it's like a high, you know, adrenaline rush. And yeah, I mean, especially with the, with the shining, cause that was kind of a, um, uh, a, a forbidden cutoff thing to, from the get go, you, you woke up in a time you weren't supposed to be awake and you saw something you weren't supposed to be watching. Yeah. I was, uh, I went from my bed and got thrown into like the deepest end of the pool was, uh, <laughs> It was like ridiculous, man. I mean, it could have been worse. You could have walked in on the room 237 bathroom. Oh, place. my <laughs> God. Yeah. And then we'd be talking about why I've never had sex since then. Why I can't go to the bathroom anymore. 
yeah. did any of your uh you know fa- friends or family or relatives or whatever that was watching these th- things with you tease you about it or did they uh were they scared with you i mean you mentioned the one where they were all asleep but were there any other experiences where you guys were awake and ex- went through it together oh yeah plenty of times i mean Anytime we watched in a group, anyone who was watching a horror movie with me, uh, we were just all about it. You know what I mean? It's it's no different than um, you know any other community. So we we uh, we we watched it as entertainment. You know, and I don't think we like I said, other than Candyman, I don't think um, uh, and you know, on The Shining as a kid, but we've mm-hmm. never really scared by that stuff. You know, it was just kind of more high fiving each other, and we we liked the adrenaline rush and. Uh, and I think what we were looking for in a horror film back then changed to what I'm looking for out of one now. So back then we're just like the higher the body count, the better. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what I mean. So like real surface level things, but lots of red stuff. Very entertaining. Mm-hmm. That is still in childhood, right? This is still childhood. Yeah. Other than other than the high body count, was there anything else that you uh, enjoyed about these things? Uh, escapism, I guess. You know. Um, my life, uh, other than when we were living, and you know what? Even when I lived in the projects, um, my parents did a, a hell of a job shielding me from the trash that was out happening in, in the real world outside of you know the the apartment. It was like a kind of like a, a safe way to experience it, you know, to to kind of be dangerous without having to actually be hurt by it. So, right. um, you know, I think that was another thing we liked about it, just kind of escape it to another world and going back to what i said about the whole middle class thing it was like it was like the first white people we've seen you know <laughs> it's like yeah it's like whoa wow look at that house you know like what the hell like, so wow, early age, it. you were taught white people are dumb and like to go investigate scary noises and rich and um <laughs> so like mom dad you better step your game up like what the <laughs> hell man <laughs> We didn't even know what the hell summer camp. Like, what the hell is this? People want to go into the woods and like, <laughs> like no AC. And I'm like, this is this some weird shit, bro. I'm like, I don't know. So, like, so um, you leave your TV and computers and phones at home and you go into the woods and, and sleep in a tent. Why? Yeah, <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it made it made no sense. to me. I remember um, part of also part of my, my childhood. My mom did try to get us out of the city. She sent me. And my best friend uh, over to, well, it wasn't her, you know, his mom, they worked together to conspire against us and um, sent us to uh, Pennsylvania, uh, backwoods area there. And um, mm-hmm. it was called the Fresh Air Fund. Basically, it's just a way for uh, city kids to kind of experience, you know, life in the country. Mm-hmm. And they put right. you up in, in a house with someone, uh, you know, who's going to take care of you and show you how things work in their world. and. Oh, that was hell, man. Like, I never, <laughs> never want to do that again. I remember telling my mom years later about it, and she's, she's like, oh, my God, I didn't know it was that bad. I'm like, I'm sure, you know, you meant well, but it was, God, it was horrible. Was it like Amish country? Like, yeah, like yeah, like, yeah, yeah, just like that, man. First, like, the electricity worked half the time. Um, I actually churned butter. I, I didn't even know. Like, I always thought it was like a joke or something, you know, like, oh, churning butter, like, Holy shit! I'm churning butter right now. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, she was also the woman we were with. She, uh, you know, I thought my mom was very religious, but this woman was like she took it to the next level. Um, so our TV viewing was like, man, 
it made me appreciate even what I had before. Mm-hmm. And um, what was cool, though, was that we had some older kids staying with us um, who who knew how to skirt around all these limitations. And mm-hmm. when she went to bed, she uh, these guys would come down to our room, uh, wake us up and say, hey, we're going to throw on Nightmare on Elm Street. Hey, we're going to watch uh, Lost Boys. So we, we were able to still get our little horror fix here and there, thanks to them. And I, th- I don't even think I'd, I, I would have made it you know, without them. It was just, oh God. I know I sound like a, like I can imagine someone who is used to living in the country and hearing the city boy like me, like, oh my God, shut up. Like, you know, oh, <laughs> no AC for one day. Like, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, man, it, it was just, it was such a radical experience. Like the difference was just, like just so great compared to what, you know, what I was, uh, my lifestyle before that. So it was, took a lot of adjustment. I wish I could, I wish I could give it back. <laughs> I can't even say it made me a better person. Uh, I, I just, I wish I could just take it out of my brain. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a good way to expose kids to different things and not just being, you know, nature. I mean, in general, right. Exposing to kids to things that they're not familiar with. There's a good way to do it and a bad way to do it. And right. if not done well, it's going to wind up having a nev- negative uh, impact on them, not the positive one that you planned on. No, um, no, no. This is perfectly acceptable. This is like basically the social environment equivalent of uh, when you teach a child to swim by just throwing them in the pool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was yeah. basically like uh, what happened with me in horror and shining, except happened to me now with, you know, with some life stuff, you know, like yeah. it was something else. Yeah, I I would never do that to my kids. Uh, I'm trying to think of something else, but uh, you may have to probe some more to kind of jog my memory. Did you uh, Did you participate in Halloween as a kid? Yeah. Um, when my mom wasn't paying attention. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. like, we had this. It was a, called the community center uh, during the summer. Uh, oh, and they they also had it during the fall, but it was more of like an after school program, kind of like the YMCA. All right, so in, uh, there was one October where um, uh, they decided to take it upon themselves, you know, the, you know, to celebrate Halloween and, and let us participate in that. Uh, they asked, "Hey, are you allowed?" And of course, I said yes. Gonna, yeah, no, my mom won't let me. Yeah, hell yeah. It's like yeah, we, love, <laughs> we love Halloween in my house. So they had like different um, little props and things like that, like uh, fake vampire teeth and all oh, those yeah. kind of things. Those classic fake vampire teeth that cut the inside of your cheek. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I hate those things, man. Um, but yeah, so we had the, all those things, and they, you know, they gave it to us, and we opened the packaging, and you know, dressed however we wanted, and um, took pictures. But it wasn't until I was an adult, moved out, before I can do anything as far as participating, you know, in in any Halloween activities, All mm-hmm. Saints Day or otherwise, it, it just anything. Yeah. So no, that that really didn't that wasn't a part of my life as a kid. Okay. So going into teenage years, what were some of your more memorable experiences with uh, horror in the teenage years? Things got, you know, a little more interesting when I, when I became a teenager. Um, we had this theater that at this point I had already moved out the projects. Um, uh, my mom remarried and we moved into the uh, suburbs mm-hmm. and uh, finally like, Hey, I'm in the, uh, the same thing that I saw in, you know, Halloween and right. the same kind of place. So, mm-hmm. uh, now those movies become scary. Yeah, now they can hit home, literally. Right? Yeah, like Candyman could kiss my ass. Now I got to worry about uh, 
<laughs> yeah, all these other you ones. You can't get me no more. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my exposure to horror, like it was, I actually was exposed to, to more extreme uh, versions of, of horror films. Like um, we have these neighbors that, that were basically allowed to watch whatever they wanted to. During the day, they were watching porn on their TV, living room what? TV. Yeah, I, I, I am not making this up. Like, like he would just come over and they'd be like, hey, what's up? Yeah, it's, it's gangbang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bang bros on the... No, but yeah, so my wow. mom said, you're allowed to go to that side. <laughs> you're on the other side of the fence, but you can't go to their house. Like, you can't go inside. Because <laughs> they got porn on the TV. Yeah, yeah so there's a little bit of porn over there. Uh, you know, so we mostly stayed outside and played basketball. They had this uh, basketball hoop and uh, that kind of stuff, but you know, finally I was brave enough to just be like, hey, man, we're always just outside. Let's go inside and like get some drinks and watch some movies. He's like, all right, yeah, sure. So we went inside and, um, you know, I was like, all right, yes. You know, like, what are, what are we going to put on? You know, I was so excited. And um, the first uh, movie or horror movie that I saw at their house was Evil Dead. Nice. Yeah, that was the first time I saw that movie. And I, oh, my God, I was... It just I feel like it changed my life. <laughs> that I just didn't know the genre could to go could go to those levels. Like it could be uh scary and funny at the same time. Uh mm-hmm. be comp- like absolutely just graphic violence, but uh still have heart, you know? Like it was it was it was a weird mix of stuff in, in that. And uh I think it just cemented cemented me further as like a, a horror fan. Like I that really that one was probably my Candyman experience as a teenager, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, after that, I took it upon myself to start uh, looking for uh, horror movies that were similar to that. And uh, I, I, I was limited. We didn't have internet access um, at the time, so the way I did it was, you know, at the the library rented out. Uh, you could rent VHS tapes at my local mm-hmm. library. I thought you were going to go with the shop, right? <laughs> I was going to say Grindhouse, you know, lo- local local grind, yeah, yeah. yeah, great place, great place. So I went to the library, and you know, my mom wouldn't let me rent, you know, R-rated movies or anything like that. Um, I was going to say I didn't think the library would let you, but go ahead. Yeah, but they did. They they didn't care. Um, I, I don't know why. So, so my mom gave me a library card, which turned out to be just as good as a blockbuster card. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just renting horror movie after horror movie. Um, and, and what I would do is I'd get like a Mad Magazine and some other stuff and sandwich it in. <laughs> I was just going to ask, how were you getting to watch these? Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and I think that's um, when I got exposed to a lot of the 90s horror films, you know, a lot of slasher stuff, thanks to mm-hmm. Scream, you know, uh, uh, Wes, Craven, Wes Craven brought that back and uh, in a big way. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, man. I, I basically got better at sneaking around. Things I couldn't do as a kid ended up finding all this stuff on my own. And uh, I treasured, I think I treasured that stuff more than I did even as a kid because uh, I felt like I discovered it, mm-hmm. you know, even though everyone's seen Scream. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my world, you know, that was something else. So, uh, and that that actually then bled to other formats. It wasn't just movies. It was um, like Fangoria, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, it would Graphic also novels. be- Graphic novels. Yeah, that's when I first discovered uh, like horror manga. And um, uh, on a trip to the city with my class, 
uh, we were going to like this uh, planetarium. There was a like a gift shop. In the gift shop, they had all these like I don't know why in, in a science planetarium they had manga, horror manga in there, and I can't remember the one I got, man. But I remember. I obviously shouldn't have been reading it. Like, I, <laughs> uh, you know, like it's like it's gonna be something. Uh, shit, what the fuck is his name? He did Uzumaki. Um, Jun- yeah, Junji Ito. Junji Ito. Yeah. No, yeah, like this was way. Wor- this was more like uh, hentai or something. Because I mean, way. it was like yeah, like dick tits and you know. <laughs> You're right. Why did they have this in the planetarium? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, what does this have to do with planetary? Okay, wait a minute. That wasn't that wasn't in the gift shop. Like, an employee put that down and you picked it up. I don't know, but <laughs> right. I but I but I gave someone money for that, <laughs> and I took it home with me. So I don't know if that oh. was part. Yeah, I have no idea. It was probably so, the employee who put it down. <laughs> yeah, <all right>. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Here, kid, take this. You don't want that. So yeah, drop the science books. <laughs> you'll learn you'll learn way more about anatomy here right <laughs> but um you know like i said one thing kind of fed another thing and and then i i i then became exposed to anime that was when i rented it that that's that was the 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 way i was able to get my horror fix in front of my mom because mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff was like it, when you look at it on the surface oh it's just a cartoon it's she, yeah. didn't, she didn't know what the hell anime japanese anime was mm. But I was like, I want more stuff like that manga I was reading. Um, and I found out, okay, there's cartoons like it. And I remember renting, um, what was the name? Uratsuki Doji, which is uh, mm-hmm. the, the demon with a thousand dicks or something like that. <laughs> you, you, you can let your imagination run wild and it still won't capture <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> the content in that, in that film. Um, so I got that, Wicked City. Uh, uh-huh. Um, what was the other one? Demon City, uh, Jukuro, Ninja Scroll, Ninja Scroll mm-hmm. uh, Akira, and um, you know all the all the staples, man. You know, and what's funny is, uh, and, and this is still part of you know as a as a teenager, um, I came to Florida to visit my grandparents uh, and my father. I convinced them that was when I actually we watched Ninja Scroll, and I convinced them to rent it for me. Yeah. Uh, and, and they they had instructions from my mom. Hey, he's not allowed to watch, you know, these all these movies. But they again, they, they didn't know. Oh, ninjas, sure, yeah, that's fine. This cartoon, this is fine. Now, I watched Ninja Scroll with my grandmother, who's also oh. deeply religious. Oh, no, yeah, and there's oh my god, you know, there's like there's this really rough rape scene. Oh god, um, where uh, the, the rock monster ninja guy uh, basically. Uh, goes down on one of the ninja women uh you know without her consent and but it's okay she had a poison vagina so he got what was coming to him but she had a poison vagina and he mm-hmm. falls apart and i i don't remember time stood still for me while i was watching this movie <laughs> my totally I didn't forget even, about the fact that your grandmother's sitting right there just like i'm just Whoa. i'm just sitting there in a, in a in a puddle of sweat and my grandma's behind me. I could feel her behind me, just, just, just judging me, right? Like, what are we watching? And I, all I kept thinking was, what is she going to tell my mom? So yeah. after the, the rape scene and there was some other stuff, you know, it was over. I kind of was like, all right, let me turn around and just see how, how she's kind of yeah, gauging yeah. this whole thing. Let, let me, let me uh, check temperature in the room here. Is that, oh, shit. I'm in trouble. Yeah. She's, well, she's crocheting. Wasn't even paying what's, attention. What's, cra- <laughs> what's crazy is that when I, 
it's funny you said that. She was. She was actually like knitting something. Yeah. Um, and then I was looking at it. I was like, oh, Grandma, we could turn it off. It's, it's, and she goes, what? She goes, no, this is a great picture. She calls movies like great picture. Mm-hmm. She goes, this is a great picture. This has got, wow, this is a, so, so much action and suspense. <laughs> just totally and, oblivious, apparently. You got lucky. I'm like, what? Did you not just see what just <laughs> happened? Like, like Clearly 10 not. seconds ago? Clearly not. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. So uh, it, it comes to I come to find out later that uh, and and this this uh, is kind of tied to my childhood. My grandmother, for as religious as she was, she was a horror movie nut. Oh, there you go. Huh. Okay, so, not oblivious at all. No, not oblivious because we she even brought up to me later. Hey, you remember that cartoon you saw? What what a crazy cartoon. Like someone made that? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, we gotta watch more. Don't come over. We gotta <laughs> say, yeah, right. I gotta all right. Your grandma's awesome. Well, you know, yeah, so, you know she so might have been playing what... it the other way, because you know how it is. Like if you tell a kid, you know, no, and you make it taboo, then they're interested. But if you play it the other way and go, Oh, that was really nice, then the kid's like, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I that you could definitely take it that way in the beginning, but I mean, we've watched enough where at this point she's she's like kind of you know the one uh, injecting the needle into mm. me, you know, like it's just she was there with me. So yeah, we watched lots of disgusting movies together, and um, <laughs> she, she never told my mom or anything, you know, about it. So uh, that was my the other way I got my horror fix was, was with my grandmother. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's, it takes care of one of the questions we usually have in uh, each one of these phases is, you know, did you have any people you uh, enjoyed horror with? It sounds like your uh, your grandmother was kind of your, your horror running crew, right? Yeah, pretty much. I think the only uh, thing that she, she uh, as long as something wasn't as she thought it to be blasphemous, um, okay. she, she was fine with it. And I mean, we would, man, we would find some absolutely depraved things <laughs> and she'd still be fine with it. She's like, as long as they don't make fun of Jesus, we're okay. So, uh, so no Hellraiser two then the whole I am the way thing. No, I didn't watch that until I was adult. Was it two or three? I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, I think uh, Hellraiser one had the Jesus wept line at the end before the guys like kind of ripped apart. Now I don't mm-hmm. know if Hellraiser would have, you know, that would have flown with her, but uh, probably right up until the end. Much. Yeah, just right up until the end, man. Could yeah. just stop it right there. Um, I think the, man, the I, title I, alone probably would have been. In- <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, that surprised me, man. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm actually I wasn't very close to my grandmother at the time. Horror was a great bridge nice. to that, so it was it was awesome, man. Uh, that was the very positive experience for me. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned in your childhood some of the things that you enjoyed were the high body count, the escapism, the rush. What was it about horror in your teenage years that you found interesting? I was horny as hell, man. I just wanted to see, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I think violence and sex were now one and the same. Hmm. And I'll be honest, there was stuff I had to, like, unlearn, you know, hmm. like going into actual serious relationships. <laughs> you mean you, you don't know? like this? <laughs> yeah, man. So, um, but yeah, no, it's um, it, really, it was a lot of, like, uh, oh, are there boobs in this one, you know, versus you know, how many people die. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess the more perverted, the better. And uh, some of that still carries over to the stuff I watch today, but I don't like get my jollies off on it. You know, it's not, I'm not like you know jerking off to to 
like a just Franco movie or something like that. But I think I'm sure he'll be very disappointed to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but at the same time, there's something about it. I don't know. I, I, you would, that would be a, an actual couch session to figure that out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I like my, my movies kind of a little, a little sleazy and perverted and explains my, I guess why I love cat sick blue so much. Mm. That kind of leads into one of the questions that we had skipped earlier, which is, and and this is regarding either fear driving you away for some, from something or desire pulling you towards it. But did the you know exposure to horror um, cause you to change your behavior in any way? Um, Not really. I mean, after like the third murder, I pretty much found self. You know, let's clarify. You're and, talking no, about no, in, no. in the in the films. No, no, no. no. I'm just no, no. I mean. No, it, it it didn't affect my behavior in any negative way. I was still, um, if you spoke to my mom, you know, I was like that good child anyway. Like, I don't know. It, it, I think that was the escapism part. You know, I, I kind of live vicariously through the characters in the movie. It, I didn't take it with me after the, the credits finished rolling. So, so you mentioned, um, you know, after you were 18, you were able to participate in Halloween were you able to do that in your teenage years or not at all until you moved out? When I was a teenager, my mom had remarried. She remained uh, religious and um, really strong in, in that. And the man she married was an atheist. Mm. And um, yeah, so she was like a conservative Republican and he was a really left-leaning Democrat. Mm. But um, no, uh, he would be the one to kind of like... Uh, I won't tell your mom, you know, what, what she doesn't know won't hurt her for the most part, you know, but a lot of things he would kind of be like, eh, let's not piss her off. He still has to sleep next to her. But, um, there's a, there's a quote I like that says children need to learn what the rules are. Parents need to learn when to bend them. Yeah. No, that's, that's as a father, I can tell you that's, that's, that's accurate. <laughs> yeah. And when not to. Yeah. And when not to. And yeah. So yeah. Uh, with the regards to the Halloween thing, yeah, it would like unofficially, would kind of be like he'd know I'd oh yeah I'm gonna go play basketball but I'm just gonna kind of mm-hmm. go trick or treating go around with some friends and <laughs> trick or treat yeah yeah but I wasn't dressed <laughs> up or anything I didn't really even want to bother getting all involved in that mm-hmm. um just to have to take it all off and I was just like ah, I just want to see what all the hubbub's about watch everyone else hang out with them uh, and eat candy really that's it um, how'd you get the candy if you didn't have a costume though I took it from my friends <laughs> oh, okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You guys don't need this. I'm doing you a favor. You know, exactly. You're right. You're right. Saving them a tummy ache. Exactly. Diabetes. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was it. That was the only real way I got any kind of exposure to that stuff or uh, part, uh, partook in, in Halloween activities. Like I said, it wasn't really till I was out of the house that I uh, really got into it. It's really more fun when you're an adult anyway. Wait. Way more fun. Was there ever a time where you were actually terrified of something as, a, as either a teen or a child? Because we kind of skipped that one as a child, too. Terrified? I mean, you just asked him about like a Candyman, like the movies, like horror movies. No, that I mean, was reality. Candy- I mean, movies or real life. Yeah, just anything that like truly terrified you. In real life. Okay, as a kid, uh, mm-hmm. that's that was easy. Real life? Uh, and I'm saying real life from a religious perspective when you're believing in this stuff, right? So going to hell is the scariest shit you can imagine as a kid. Mm. Yeah, I was picturing worse than what I saw in Hellraiser. You know what I right. mean? So, uh, yeah, as a kid, I was just like, 
oh, should I buy these Marvel cards? Because there's like Doctor Strange and he practices the dark arts. I don't want to go to hell for Doctor Strange. But, um, you know, that that was it as a kid. And then, you know, that stuff kind of subsides. You realize how silly that is. Not to make light of anyone who still kind of feels that way. But for me, that didn't really work for me anymore. It has Um, less of an impact as you get older. Yeah, yeah. You know, so then as a teenager, what scared me in real life it was all like, it was just regular teenage stuff, like uh, girls and relationships and moving out one day and having getting a job. I can't think of anything like, oh, oh, I do have something. I do have something that would be lean closer to, to horror. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, the neighborhood I, I lived in was a, you know, predominantly a, a white neighborhood. And we were one of the few uh, Hispanics living there. I remember one time coming home from high school, some background. My high school, there was a lot of racial tension between the brown and black students and the white students, uh, and including that were uh, any uh, anyone who was like Korean, Chinese, Japanese, mm-hmm. it didn't matter. Uh, I don't know why, but that, that was the case. And I remember one time walking home, I was in high school, and a car pulled up next to me. It was mm-hmm. like, a, I can't remember what kind of, it was a red car, pulled up next to me. And in it were like three guys with their heads shaved. And I was like kind of dumb to all that stuff. I didn't really, you know, from where I grew up, that stuff wasn't something I was exposed to or anything like that, or I was just shielded well from it. But it uh, turns out those were skinheads, right? right. And um, basically the, the one who was in the passenger seat uh, called out to me. He goes, hey, you go to uh, Bayside High School? And I'm like, uh, yeah, man, what's it to you? And he's just like, hey, I don't want to see you in walking down this neighborhood again. And I was like, why? And he the other guy like who's driving, I, I could see him, you know, he kind of like looked over and kind of made that motioning, like slashing the neck kind of motion. Jesus. And he's like, if we see you over here again, you're dead. And I don't think they, <laughs> they got the reaction they were expecting. I kind of just like, is this real? Like, are you guys for real? Or is this like a joke? I'm like, you guys ain't gonna do shit to me. Like, really? You can't like, let me see you try. And a lot of that was, I don't know, like you grow up, from I guess when you're in the projects, you kind of been taught to kind of stand up for yourself right. and not really let that kind of stuff. So it kind of felt silly. Like I'm like, what is this? Is this like a real thing? You guys actually wasted your time to follow me up here? Like slow down when you, I'm sure you have somewhere to go and be Nazis over there or something, and <laughs> you know a Nazi meeting or like just to tell me this. I'm like, who am I anyway? Like it was stupid. But then I come to you know learn about it. It scared me in retrospect. And yeah. Yeah, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's a real thing!" <laughs> like, yo, I could have been cut. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, then there was other things that I, I ran into that kind of stuff. You know, later on, you know, when my parents weren't there to shield me, you know, and it opened my eyes to what was happening in the world. So I think like uh, racism and and stuff like that was like real life horror for me, and um, that would probably be the, the my biggest fear as a teenager. Mm. Yeah. yeah, there are a lot of people that. How can I say this? So there are some people who they're looking for a victim. And if the person's not afraid, they're not going to enjoy it. But And then then there are definitely other people who don't give a shit whether or not you're afraid. They're going to enjoy it either way. Um, And those are the ones that you have to really be afraid of. But, you know, the the first group you can, if you're not afraid, then typically they'll leave you alone. So... Uh, yeah, I can understand, like you say, in retrospect, there could be some fear of, you know, cause you don't know which group it is until after you've made your move. So, yeah. And, and my mom did tell me, um, when I told her, 
she was like, you're an idiot. You shouldn't have done that. I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't even, she's like, no, don't, not, not, not with those guys. I was like, okay. All right. Eh, I don't know. I think I, I would agree. Cause I've been in a similar situation too, where the thing that probably would have been a life-changing event for me was uh, put off because I told him you're either going to have to kill me or I'm going to kill you or die trying. Right. Right. Um, and if I had not done that, I might be not here today or in a very different place. Um, yeah. I think that's a very important thing that you have to teach kids is you do have to stand up for yourself. Cause you know, cause what's the other thing gonna, that, that happens is okay. So if those three kids that were in the car were the second type of people that I mentioned that would have fucked with you either way, well, mm-hmm. okay, well, you're probably going to have that situation either way, but at least you could have avoided the first group of people that would have been frightened off by that. So anyway. yeah, off topic. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat. No, yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it's good, man. No, no, I'd say that's kind of a common thread in uh, either, you know, sometimes childhood, but mostly adolescence is like when you're uh, faced with something that's a life threatening thing, you, you're invincible when you're at that age, you know, so you just you throw it off like, yeah, whatever. And then you go back in retrospect and realize, oh, yeah, I, I, my life was actually in danger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. 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 Some scary stuff, man. Well, the reason that I say that, what I said is because I, my experience has been not everybody has that I'm invincible uh, attitude. And then they wind up, they do, some of those people do wind up getting victimized. I've known a few people who were the type that wouldn't stand up for themselves. And sometimes some bad things happened. Um, fortunately, I was taught, I don't know who taught it to me or where I picked it up, but, you know, I picked up that attitude of, no, I am going to be the one to stand up and you're either going to have to kill me or die trying. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Same thing. I was, I was taught to, to right off the bat, just bark louder. Um, and it usually works. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, people, people get surprised, especially I'm, I'm, I'm a small guy, but when you just like turn around and just like, you're not even phased or you, you don't give way in any, in, you know, it, it, you don't give any ground up, when they're challenging you like that, it kind of surprises people. Well, they don't want to fight. And, um, you know, they yeah. Don't. Then they're just like, oh, okay. You called them out on yeah. their bluff. They don't want to. Or maybe it's not a complete bluff, but they they want not a complete bluff. Yeah, but they uh, want an easy target. Yeah. So yeah, I'll find someone else. Yeah. Someone who flinch. Yeah. <laughs> it's two for flinching. Could <laughs> <laughs> be ask if you had any scary dreams as a in adolescence. Uh I mean, the recurring woman in the rocking chair, did it follow you through teenagers, I guess? I killed that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, no, no. I mean, no, no. I haven't had any. Um, no, I, I, not, nothing that comes to mind. Um, I think. I. Th- okay, you know, I, I do. Um, it, it was more like uh, end of the world kind of stuff as far as like, um, and I don't know why. And maybe it could have been like the war in Iraq or something. I don't even know. There was always this fear I had um, subconsciously that at any moment, you know, there was going to be like a missile launched at, at at the country or whatever. World War Three would start or something like that. That That's was an like understandable a, fear. Well, particularly for the area you were living, like when nine eleven happened, I had already moved back to Florida, but my dad was still up there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you were, I'm guessing, still living in that area at the time. Oh, actually, I was uh, attending. 
uh, college here oh, when it happened. Okay, so yeah, I, I saw it live um, uh, when the second plane hit. But yeah, I, I wasn't in New York. My my family was, so I was scared shitless, of course. But um, but the dreams were happening yeah, before I, that. The dreams were happening, yeah, way before okay. that because I was in my twenties then. But um, yeah, that was it was bad. I I remember thinking like the dream always was like, and, and I wasn't even in New York. I don't think when I had these dreams, I think I was already in Florida. Um, but I remember thinking like, you know, I'd see like the Manhattan skyline and I could see like a missile dropping, you know, like that Terminator two, yep. uh, sequence, you know? And, um, I don't even know what, what's, what, what was the root of that? Why, why I was having those dreams, but that was like the, the, the one I had the most, it reoccurred the most. It wasn't the same dream, but that that theme of like a nuclear holocaust kind of thing. I mean, um, I'd say that's been kind of a, a common paranoia slash legitimate fear for, I don't know, 70 years now, ever since Cold War. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what it might be, because I think it, my teenage years were like some of the best years of my life, really, really were. And there might've been a fear of losing or, or just like, Hey, this is so good. You know, like, mm-hmm. am I going to wake up from this? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think maybe this, it subconsciously manifested like that, just like seeing the world end and, Oh, I don't get to have fun anymore. Hmm. So it sounds like overall in your adolescence, um, I forgot to ask this question again in uh, childhood, but uh, like, like overall in childhood, it sounds like it was kind of a negative experience as far as horror goes. Like everything still kind of scared you legitimately mm-hmm. whereas in adolescence teenage years you were on on the search for more and gorier horror movies and you know sneaking off to the library and things like that and that's it sounds like it was more of a overall a positive experience in your uh, adolescence would you say yeah that would be accurate as a kid it, it had a a negative i don't want to say like yeah negative i guess i was scared you know yeah. it actually scared me but um and then as i got older i was seeking it out you know mm-hmm. but yeah yeah i'd say that's accurate more of a game when you're a teenage, like, like mm-hmm. what new treasure can you find next? Right. That's exactly it. And that's something that's, that's never gone away. To this yeah. Day. And I was trying to think about that myself while you guys were talking. I, I'm, I was wondering, how can I say this? You know, for some people, they have a very early interest in horror that then kind of influences the rest of their life. And then there are other people and you may be one of these people. I, it, what I'm about to say is probably more true for me. I, I was not interested in horror as a child, but as I got older, there were things about it that interested me. And so I I was trying to think back to some of the things you talked about in terms of your childhood and say, was there something, was there like a defining factor that uh, made it a strong attraction to you throughout your life? Or was that a separate period of your life where like Chris just said, it was more just uh, you know, fear and then that separate from the attraction that came in your teenage years. Um, what how do you feel about that? Do you think it was like there was always this strong attraction or you know, was it a fear early on and then changed to attraction? Yeah, every okay, I, I think it was a fear that led to the attraction. Um yeah. I think everyone you know, I think I, I feel comfortable saying most people, if not everyone, has a, a, a morbid curiosity. You know what I mean? There's something that you know because death is everyone has to deal with it. So there's you always there's always something about it that you're kind of uh, curious about. And I think you know because there's so much of there's so much death in horror 
uh, it's natural to kind of gravitate towards that to to understand it better. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of just that kind of innate morbid curiosity anyone would have, I think it was just the experience that kind of set it off and said, "Well, this is how I want to keep uh, you know learning about death and all that stuff." And like you know the whole religion thing, it sure helped. Uh, yeah. But then again, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, like like I said, the morbid curiosity thing is what. Uh, why I gravitated towards reading Revelations over and over and over again. And I think horror gave me like something more tangible, getting shocked by it and then realizing I'm okay. I think that's it. That that was it. It's kind of like, well, let's do it again. That was fun. <laughs> like the first time you go on a roller coaster, you're afraid yeah. of it first. And then you're like, yeah, one more time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that moves us on to uh, the final and third phase in, uh, in adult years. What's uh, What were some of your influences or uh things horror that you can uh you can think of in adult at it well i think i can think of one that uh, we share a common thread with <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about so it's weird i really wasn't watching movies the way i was before uh i was uh, a lot more involved with uh it was my first serious relationship i wasn't really into the the horror genre uh the way i am now or even before this yeah, it was school, and there was a lot of other things happening at that point in my life that took my attention away from it. Because life happened so fast, um, I, I think I grew into like a depression a little bit. You know, university and girlfriend, and you know, and a job and all all this stuff. You know, it's like, hey, mm-hmm. preparing to be an adult. I think that was like enough horror for me. And also at that point, uh, that transition, that was in the in the middle of that. I had become an atheist. But I remember when I was going through this depression, I kind of fell back on my religion. Uh, while not the same way that my mom and, and father raised me, uh, it did help me. It helped me get through some really, really dark times. Once I came out of that, well, that's when it was party time again. It's time to start watching horror movies. I'm, uh, I'm 39 years old, and it wasn't until 2015, Chris, that I got back into horror movies. And I'm ta- you're talking about since... Man, like 2003, up yeah. until that point, I wasn't really into it. I, I was, can totally relate. Yeah, went through a similar situation myself where just shit wasn't fun, you know, not good yeah. times. And yeah. you can't focus on things like entertainment and, you know, seeking out your fun new horror movies. Just like, I got right, shit to do. Right. I have things to take care of. Right. And, and, it didn't help either that the genre itself was going through its own uh, transition into the, um, you know, you had the whole French extremity wave and mm-hmm. you had uh, American filmmakers trying to, trying to one up them, you know, like hostile, all that, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. Yeah. And then you had the whole uh, paranormal aspect of found footage films, which right, you, you yeah. can just skip that whole, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my opinion anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think it was just more, if I would have like, you know, ingested uh, that stuff. I would have just been more depressed. You know, I don't think it would have helped me any. And then it wasn't until I got married, you know, kids, you know, full time job, a stable job, and my own my own house. I became friends with uh, this guy David Ronsky, who, who was someone who worked at the same place I work at. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were introduced, out, you know, introduced by a, a mutual friend of ours. And um, turns out this guy was like, you know all about horror. I mean, just, he was like a long lost friend, you know, like, and, uh, that rekindled my love for the genre and for film just in general, I, I was really just out of it, you know, 
So, you know, we used to have like, uh, it was like his idea, let's get together. And I kind of missed out on a lot. So he's like, oh, let me catch you up on stuff. We'd get together and have like movie nights and all this stuff. And then, you know, it was our mission to try to find stuff that no one else had seen. That's what kind of got us into like indie horror, you know, like really low budget stuff. And that's where I started to fall in love with trauma. It was like uh, kindling. It kind of like just got me got the fire lit up again. And I was really, really excited for horror movies. All that energy and excitement and passion led directly into the creation of my website. And um, or I should say our website. We started it because we wanted to find more movies like uh, like uh, Slaughtered Vomit Dolls or whatever. And, and I hate that movie, but <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to see more like avant-garde stuff and things that just like maybe no one else has seen, you know, like just weird shit. Um, like the guinea pig series, you know, things that were like, uh, you got to really kind of dig deep to find. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't think the internet at the time, it was like, it wasn't really as all that kind of stuff like YouTube wasn't as like, uh, much of a pro- proliferation as it is now, which made it actually more exciting, you know, when you found something. So 2015, yeah. 2015, we started the website with a very selfish goal. Let's convince people to send us their movies and we'll just write some like shitty review and we got to watch their movie. <laughs> and I'm so sorry. I hate to say, I hate, I can't believe I admitted that. Like I, I've got a lot of like independent filmmakers and coming to me, like, you know, hoping I'm sin- sincere when I, when I review their stuff, which I am, I mm-hmm. promise I am. Um, you know, when we first created it, that wasn't our intention. You went I think, professional. Uh, we went professional. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. As much as we could. Yeah. Right. So, that was it. That was our gateway. The, the 13th floor website was our gateway uh, to the kind of uh, horror films that I love now and, and and kind of informed my mentality, you know, towards the genre. That's, I think, the next year, because we started at the end of 2015, but the very next year is when, uh, and we, we were getting all these like little tiny short films or whatever. And the first big one outside of that uh, Dolly Deadly, the one that I was saying that Heidi Moore had created, uh, we got Catsick Blues. I mean, I, I can't even begin to tell you like what how transformative that was as a horror fan and as someone who was kind of rediscovering themselves as a film lover. And then you find out that this guy spent only this amount of money on it and used this. You know, like it was insane. Uh, Dave Jackson does not know the influence he has had on my life. Um, I know he probably thinks, "Yo, Jerry, uh, you know, he plays the whole." Uh, you know, Catsick Blues obsessed horror fan or whatever. And yeah, that's, that's true. My life has actually changed because of that movie for the better. Um, so uh, you, asking me as an adult, like my relationship with horror, a lot of it stems, you know, down to, to the website and to that movie, mm-hmm. which, which is then just, you know, lit, uh, lit a fire under my ass. And I was just, I couldn't get enough of, uh, of the kind of movie like that. And I wanted to make movies myself. And it was something I didn't even know I wanted to do until I watched that movie. Yeah. And, and, you know, I have a, two short films, um, one directly informed by Catsick Blues, like one is like kind of a creepy one, but, um, man, I, we took off, man. We, we were watching everything and anything we could. That's when we even caught up on all the, uh, the real, like the video nasties and stuff from the, 2000s and since then it's been great you know I, that's how significant that movie you know was. and i i thought about saying this at the very start of the call and uh see chris and i have a list of guests that we would like to interview and we also made some notes about 
who they are and what they're known for, what what role they played, you know, their actress, actor, producer, writer. And Chris had written in the field of what they're best known for, Catsick Blue Sick Blues. And to be completely honest, I had forgotten that he had told me <laughs> about um, there's the movie Catsick Blues. And then the movie that you created was basically a movie about a fan of the movie Catsick Blues. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when I was going through the, uh, the guest sheet, I accidentally actually deleted it because I thought it was a typo. I thought he had typed a sick blues part twice for accident. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) That's, that's funny. You say that because I've had conversations with Dave about the title of the movie and I've apologized to him. I'm like, man, this is the stupidest freaking title I could have chosen. I've got people that come to me and go, Hey man, uh, is there any way I could get a link to watch cats? And you're like, I'm like, uh, <laughs> talk to Dave. I mean, you can, I, I can give you Dave's Facebook and you, yeah, can, Dave, yeah. or you can search for cat's sake clothes, but I'm, I'm not the guy, dude. <laughs> right. And likewise, he, he's told me, he's like, yeah, he's had people, uh, you know, confu- come to him confused. I was like, what, you know, what's this? What's this movie? Is this the sequel? Right. The official sequel? I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is sanctioned by Dave himself. This is the sequel. <laughs> but, um, I like the title. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's, it's clever, you know. It's cat sick blues, sick blues. Right. Yeah, you, I mean, you are I, sick made, over the sickness right. of the film. Yes, <laughs> and, and I thought it made sense at the time, you know. And I um, did know this. Chris did tell me that. I just had forgotten about it. So, and that's um, what it occurred to me as we were going through the intro. The light bulb came on, and I was like, "Ah, oh, shit! We should probably clear that up at the start of the call." <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, the listeners will get through to this part and they'll be like, "Oh, now I understand." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and whoever is listening, man, you, I'm I'm going to be putting my short out there for the public again. Uh, I had taken it off for you know so I can submit it to some festivals, but you really, really should see the uh, Catsick Blues movie before watching the short film. Yeah, um, I mean, puts it in context. Yeah, you, you'll still get some laughs and stuff just seeing my stupid face, you know, and my, the stuff that happens in there. But it makes way more sense when you watch the movie, and uh, you'll catch some little. Uh, you know, Easter eggs and things like that. But so yeah. Uh, yeah. the three things you've really mentioned um, other than your own body of work was trauma, Dolly Deadly and Katzik blues. Um, anything else really jump out at you as being impactful in the horror business that you were exposed to now in your adult life? Yeah. I mean, it's because, like I said, that stuff was uh, the website was a uh, kind of a gateway to everything else. So as far as being impactful, it's it's basically the relationships I've I've. Uh, it's the friends you made along the way. Yeah, it's the friends I've <laughs> made along the way, like you guys. You know, like if it wasn't for Thirteenth Floor, I wouldn't even be here talking to you guys about this stuff. So, yeah, it's helped me like tremendously in, in that regard and uh, developing these relationships, and, and that's had a massive impact because I, I get inspired every time there's a new. Uh, a new film sent to me to review. My mindset is different now when I review these films versus when I first started, and I, I approach these things with a uh, w- with a different mindset because I'm I've developed two mm-hmm. of my own. So stuff mm-hmm. that I used to give them shit about, you know, like I completely <laughs> don't do that anymore. Yeah, and I, now that you're I, seeing I, the other side of the fence, right? I'm seeing the other side of the fence. Yeah, and there was an interview I had uh, conducted with uh, Richard Roundtree and his guys. And they said the worst thing you could do for someone at that level is just, you know, this kind of flippant attitude towards their work. I mean, or say they're lazy or just say, oh, this was shit. You don't have to like a movie. You can acknowledge the problems it has, right? But man, I'm telling you, 
if there's a two hour movie and you and you made it through and you see it's it's an actual movie, it's not because they're lazy right. if it has problems. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. There's a different kind of appreciation for stuff, man. Like people are busting their ass for it, and I will always acknowledge that. Let's go back to uh, Cats and Blues for a minute because you had mentioned how you know this was so impactful to you that it you know really changed your life in a lot of ways. Well, what is it about the movie that that impacted you so much? Like, it's it's multiple things. So I, I just can't say enough about how uh, well put together the comedy, the mel- the melding of comedy and horror. Um, remember, I, I talked to you about like things being sleazy <laughs> you you get it in this one um yeah it is and I, yeah and i think the things that informed that movie and, and dave are the same kind of things that i you know the same kind of horror movies that at the time i didn't know i i loved but um turned out to be the case so like you know like tetsuo the iron man and 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 movies like that i ended up finding out after the fact and and catching up basically kind of Kind of like uh, I don't want to say stalking Dave, but um, <laughs> but because he was so open to communicating with us, and, and which was also a big thing given how small we were, we just started. Um, he was very warm and welcoming. Him, um, Matthew Vaughn, and uh, Shan Donovan all were uh, willing to talk to us about anything. We were able to pick their brains, and um, I mean that was 2015 and or 2016 rather, the beginning of. And to this day, I'm still, hey, uh, you know, like asking like pointers about things or movie suggestions and stuff like that. And, or he'll drop some some things he thinks I, I, I would like. Or he'll even tell me, hey, I just finished uh, doing this special feature for this movie. You want to watch it? And it's like that kind of stuff keeps motivating you mm-hmm. to want to do it yourself. So I think it was the movie itself. And it was also just how... Um, how open and helpful the uh, the whole production crew behind it are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it goes even beyond those those three guys. It was it goes uh, the people uh, the the crew as well that that helped make it. I've had uh, communication with them, and it's been awesome all the time. All that stuff was instrumental. It gave me the confidence to do it, and um, and I got to see people who failed at it. I don't want to say failed, but maybe the 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 end result wasn't you know what they wanted. And I got to see the ones that were exactly what they wanted. And all that stuff kind of factored into that. But them especially, because um, they've let me in on everything that I've, I've wanted to know. So, yeah, that that's why. And I guess your question was why it's so as important as well, it was. So one of the things that you mentioned earlier that you didn't touch on here, you mentioned that you'd heard that it was a fairly low budget and that the person basically financed it themselves, which kind of gave you the realization that you could do something like this yourself. Um, Right. So, yeah. And um, it was a Kickstarter, uh, you know, kind of thing, but he he also did put up a lot of his own money and savings to kind mm -hmm. of finish paying off the, for the rest of the production that's the part that kind of was like, hey, Jerry, you could do this. You know, this is, you know, okay, he spent this much and got this out of it, right? Mm-hmm. When you find out the ways they got those things done, I'm like, well, shit, man, I got, all right. Just, I just want to tell a story. Just tell a story. And, and a lot of it was the encouragement of, hey, don't worry so much about your budget and stuff like that. You want to say something, say it. Yeah, so just pick, get it done. Just, just get it done. And you'll be surprised, like, 
how satisfying that is when you stop obsessing over this little detail. Oh, I'm not shooting on a Sony a7 III. Like, give a shit about that, man. Just shoot it, tell your story. There will be an audience if you're being genuine. It, it opened my eyes to the fact that movies aren't just Hollywood, you know? And that was, like I said, that was that movie and, and me also having the website and being exposed to others like it. So I, I saw how far, you know, the indie film can go uh, when you have a real passion for it. So, you know, I, I'm sitting here being reminded, uh, I'm, I'm making some notes <clears throat> and re- being reminded of a quote, which I'll come to in a second. Um, so it, it's sounding like, you know, from piecing this together, you had a list of films already that you had reviewed and you had your opinions of what was good and bad in those. Um, and you get to a position where you find, you know what, I, I could do this myself. And also, apparently, you had something that you wanted to say, because if you didn't have anything to say, then you wouldn't have done it. And and so this is all kind of leading up to this quote that I really like, which is uh, about luck. And, you know, a lot of people talk about being lucky or unlucky. And so this quote says, basically, luck is opportunity plus preparation. And I've always liked that because if you think about people who are lucky, it's because they had an opportunity and they were prepared for it. And people who are, who say that they're unlucky often, it's a situation where they had an opportunity, but they weren't prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so it's sounding to me like you've had this really nice sequence of events where you had the preparation and apparently you had something to say, and now you have the opportunity, so you're taking it. Absolutely. I think uh, the website was kind of like our, uh, kind of like uh, the preparation right. part of it. Yeah, talking to, uh, well, kind of more just watching Catsick Blues and learning about how it was made and all that stuff, having interviews and getting to uh, kind of dive deep into the production of that stuff. Uh, and that was like the first, that was one of the first interviews we had where it, as extensive as it was. Yeah, it was kind of like, okay, well, I kind of know what to do now. So I definitely know I want to say something, but it was never, uh, just so you know, this, when I made what I made, it wasn't actually made for anyone Mm -hmm. but myself. It was Mm -hmm. only made for me. And, um, it was a way to cut my teeth on filmmaking, kind of like a dry run kind of thing. It wasn't until I showed it to Dave. And and let me tell you, that was the most, this was the scariest thing (laughs) I've ever done. I I, I was ready to just cancel my Facebook accounts uh, close the website. If this guy said one negative thing, um, and, and again, that put it, which that experience also played into how, why I, I, I've changed how I approach other people's films. Uh, yeah. When I, I gave it to him just cause I thought he would appreciate it. It wasn't really to say, Hey, should I put this out in festivals? Or it was just, you know, you know, me as someone who's cat mm-hmm. blues obsessed. Here's something I was working on. That's kind of related to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his reaction and what he told me after was like, okay, I want to make movies. <laughs> it was like right away. Um, yeah, I just want to keep doing this. This is, this is so much fun. Even though I can't do it as much as I'd like, that doesn't go away. And um, it's, it is a passion that I want to, I want to pursue something I want to chase. So it, and it all starts. I'm kind of curious. You mentioned that, you know, you felt like you had something to say, but you also said that this Catsick Blues, Sick Blues was uh, in a way of cutting your teeth. So, mm-hmm. and I know you are still working on other things then. So, 
I'm guessing that there's other things that you want to say that weren't necessarily addressed in Cats at Blue Sick Blues. Yeah, absolutely. Cats at Blue Sick Blues is very, it's like laser focused on one thing, which mm-hmm. is my obsession with Cats at Blues. So the next logical question there is, so what do you want to say? The things that I want to say next are moments that were like uh, transformative, things that like affected me as a kid or other kids. For, so to be very specific, let me stop being vague. The next thing I want to do is make a short film where a child walks in on his parents having sex, and this is how he learns about sex. Um, I've done that. Actually, we, should, we could have used that as one of the scariest things that's happened to me <laughs> as a kid. There, there's, there it is. There it is. So now as an adult, you know, sex is like a beautiful thing. As a kid, though, when you see your parents having sex, it's the opposite. It's the most disgusting, vile thing you can, you can imagine. And I want that to be illustrated in a short film, like uh, in a literal sense. So the kid walks in, sees, their, sees his parents having sex. And then we get a, a, a transition to like what it would be like kind of Bobby's world thing where we see from his perspective and it's the nastiest Uratsuki Doji level kind of gross shit that's happening on the screen. And it's going to be tentacles and monster rubber suit, all, all kinds of slimy <laughs> stuff. So, and I think that's, isn't that like most people, it's just life experiences kind of inform the movies they're making, you know? So other than this uh, coworker, Oh shit! Where did I write that down? David, sorry. Uh, so, other than this uh, coworker, David, do you? I mean, you talk about the relationships that you've built along the way. Um, mm-hmm. Other than the ones in the uh, making of your short, your shorts, um, what other, as Chris likes to call them, what other horror crew do you have? Like friends, family, uh, the the people I rope in, man, that are tired of hearing me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, like my wife, my kids, um, dude, n- no one, no one else that uh, it's, it, this is still like mm-hmm. early days for me. And, um, I haven't really built a, like, a like some kind of like filmmaking entourage. Or I didn't something. mean it I as an entourage. I, I just mean like a, a social group. Um, how can I say this? You know, part of like my defense, yeah. I, I mostly get that part of it from uh letterbox. I don't know if you're familiar with letterbox, but, um, it's so kind of like a review a review site, user reviews, huh. um, and it's got a oh, fantastic community. And I think um, I've replaced my uh, in real life friends, people that would be physically here with me, uh, with people uh, that are kind of virtual now. Like it's my virtual okay. friends. But yeah, that's it. Really, I don't. I don't. It's not not a lot. I don't have a lot of people that are into horror. That well, is, that's it's not really me. a matter of having a lot or a little. It, it was just a yes or no kind of that. Yes, you do have, mm-hmm. you also gain the social aspect of enjoyment out of this whole thing. Uh, in addition to all the other positive benefits that you're getting out of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's kind of more, uh, that's more of a common theme in this stage in adulthood too. It's just, you, you run into so many more people and make more connections online. So you kind of develop that, that virtual web of, friends and like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. How about Halloween as an adult? You kind of bre- broached this earlier. Uh, oh yeah. Now I'm all about it, man. Like if we do the 31 days or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, marathon horror movie after horror movie, uh, we take the kids trick or treating, oh, yeah? uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We do, do everything, you know, goat sacrifices. <laughs> <stuff like that. laughs> 
Gotta do your goat sacrifices. Gotta do you do wear the, the pants sacrifices. too? Yeah. No, yeah. So just, 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 I guess I kind of vicariously live through my kids now. Um, yeah. So some of the stuff that I, I didn't get to do as a, as a kid, I, I, I let them indulge in it. So we get to go through it together and I get to be a kid again and they get to just be a kid and it's nice. So looking back over your life, uh, and, and this doesn't have to be a horror movie, uh, it doesn't have to be your favorite uh, but just numerically speaking, what movie would you say you've watched more times than any other? Watched more times than any other? The Fly. That's my, I mean, and that's uh, my all-time favorite movie. The first one. The first one, which if you follow me on social media and stuff, that should be apparent. Like, all, there's always some weird nod to The Fly, either mm-hmm. in my name or picture of the Avatar <laughs> or something. But uh, yeah, it's, and it's not even close. Uh, man, I, I just... Worship that movie. Love it. Okay. And Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anything I mean, Cronenberg. if I had to pick one other one behind the fly that I, I guess I, I'm constantly throwing throwing on, I would say, and I'm like, I'm scanning my shelf right now and I'm just, it's, it's going to be Creepshow because I, I, I like, I like fun when movies also make me laugh, even if, if uh-huh. it's a horror film like that. So I love the comedy. How it's I love how it's infused seamlessly into Creepshow, while mm-hmm. still being creepy. And um, yeah, that's yeah. that's up there for me. Plus, Creepshow is kind of a package deal. You get uh, what four in one? Four in one? Wait, is it four or five? I think it's five. I, 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 I think it's, five. it's been yeah, a while. Five. It's five stories. So, if you like the comedy out of the Creepshow, what is it that you like about the Fly? There's comedy in in the Fly as well. Uh, there's a it's like a sad kind of humor to the way. Yeah, like you know how like some it's there's comedy and tragedy. That's what I was thinking, and and that's what that yeah that's what that movie is. You know the guy, the poor guy is like invents this thing, and he's got he's about to like just change the world, but because he thinks the the, his girlfriend's cheating on him, that changes the whole movie. Like the guy ends up turning himself into a fly. It's insane, and and they just run. It runs. They the movie runs with it all the way to the end and um, to its logical conclusion. I can't help but laugh in a, like a sad way when this guy's ears falling off, his dick's falling off, and and you know he's vomiting on donuts, and he still mm-hmm. kind of has a sense of humor about it. A lot of my favorites have comedy in them: uh, American Werewolf in London, like I said, Fright Night, Lost Boys, uh, Evil Dead. Uh, I could pull up my letterbox and see, and I guarantee you, most of the ones that are up on the top are funny in some so way. So that actually kind of leads into the next question, which is, do you see any common threads about what kind of horror you like? Is it cam- cannibalism, occult, metaphysical? It sounds to, to me like your common thread is the comedy. <laughs> Co- yeah, comedy, if if you can smile through all all the nasty stuff that's happening, it's... I, I like horror movies that kind of incorporate all co- like other genres into them, uh, from like Ari Aster and mm. Eggers, you know? Uh, Lighthouse is definitely a horror film. It's definitely a comedy. It's definitely a drama. Like it's got a bit of everything. Same for Midsummer. It's man, that's one of the funniest freaking movies I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, involving uh, you know people jumping to a hundred feet face first into a stone. You know, like and and being sledgehammered in the face and stuff like that. That shit um, was hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's like this guy comes with an acme hammer. Okay, like what? <laughs> Just, he totally did. Yeah, oh, it's like man. Ari Aster has to have the sense, same sense of humor I have. Like I feel it. Like it's like mm-hmm. when everything, even mid's uh, uh, Hereditary. You know, there's now that's a way darker movie. Yeah. Um, but even there, there's some stuff that you can't help but just kind of giggle, man. 
Love it. I, I would agree. I would consider Hereditary a dark comedy. It's like the mm-hmm. whole social ineptitude and dysfunctional family angle of it. Like these people are so dysfunctional. And then like the kid at the end, like just jumping out the window, man. Like it's just Right. You just need to like a that's all folks moment. Yeah. It's so ridiculous, man. So yeah, I think the the further it goes, like as, the more absurd it gets. I, I I dig it more. What what is it that you think you yeah. like about that? Uh, about the comedy specifically. Well, actually, the last thing you said was about it being ridiculous, and I don't know if you mean in terms of humor or extremism, but maybe both. Uh, both, yeah, both. Yeah. Really, just I like absurdity, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Like, like there's a scene in Cats and Blues where. Where uh, Ted's jerking off to his cat as it's being overfed. What? Like why? And then it explodes, <laughs> and he's still he's still masturbating as like cat chunks fly into his oh. mouth. I'm like, yeah. yeah. I'm like yeah. disgusted and in tears. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, absurdity. I, I love it, man. The, the crazier, the better. So this kind of leads into the next question too. Then, uh, so. You know, we talk about genre mixing, absurdity, crazier the better. The last question is, okay, so why horror? Because, for example, the genre mixing and the absurdity, I mean, you could like Mel Brooks films for, you know. Because it's the only one I've ever found, like a cat dildo. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm being silly, but I'm being serious. Like, there's still very specific things and traits um, and I'm sure you can have this argument, you know, a whole nother podcast where, hey, is this a horror film or is it a thriller? Yeah. But like, it's just, I guess if you think of it as kind of like a scale, but it's more, I like stuff leaning on that side of the scale. Well, the last question there, the why horror thing is really sort of just a, an opportunity maybe to, you know, to, to bring something up and see if it, how can I say this? You know, in your case, in your interview, the adult teenage years and childhood sort of each have different things about them that are sort of defining. For example, you know, in the childhood, it was the adrenaline rush and the the stuff about the taboo. Um, In the teenage years, you commented on the violence and the sex and, you know, now your adult years, you're, it's about having something to say and being expressive while t- tying back to the other things from your childhood and adolescence. But it doesn't sound like there's really mm-hmm. one core thing that has been throughout your entire life, which is fair. You know, that doesn't have to be the case for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last question there is sort of an opportunity to sort of revisit that and see if there is one core thing that ties through. And it's okay. I mean, it doesn't sound like there is in your case, but... You know, that, that's all it was. It was just an opportunity to, to see if, if it was... Uh... Right. I'm sorry, man. I'm all over the map. <laughs> I got to be so volatile, man. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I can't think of one either. It's just this kind of... Constant, Actually, wait a minute. Uh, you know, you, you kind of laughed about that, but now that I think about it, that's sort of a a thing in, it, in itself of being all over the map. Um yeah. Because that ties in with the genre mixing and the absurdity mm-hmm. and crazier the better. So if you don't mind my going off on a possible tangent here, is there something about... Well, are, are you trying to say that um, me being all over the map could be yes. a thing in itself? Like uh, Okay, and I, I think I see where you're going with that. And I think if I'm going to 
tie that to something and that becoming a thing, uh, that is because as a kid uh, and my upbringing being so conservative and my mom's thumb being pressed down on me so hard, I didn't mm-hmm. get to, I didn't have a life where I got to t- uh, take a, a taste of this and a taste of that and, and uh, be all over the map, so to speak. So now that I'm, that thumb's been lifted, I'm trying to consume as so, much as possible. I think we may have just answered the question then. Rebellion. So there you go. Rebellion. Yeah. Sure. I'll take it. It, it makes me sound cooler. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that kind of <laughs> underlines all three of the things that we just talked about, like the, uh, the adrenaline rush and the, uh, and the taboo. You're rebelling against mm-hmm. the boundary that your, your parents set, you know, I think I think you're right. No, I think you're right. Um, and and not to you know just constantly keep talking about, it, but it's I think it, a lot of that ties down to the religion, and um, you always challenge everything as a you know that you've been brought up you know mm-hmm. to believe as a child, um, and the longer you are 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 brought up in something or I don't want to say like oppressed or any anything like that, but basically just in that brought bubble up surrounded by it. yeah right yeah. The moment you release, the the crazier you're gonna go, and you know to to kind of uh, see what you were missing, but um, or see you're gonna rebel harder. Yeah. In my case, and I think I I I've rebelled as hard as I feel comfortable with, and that's natural too. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, that that's that's pretty much. It. I think that I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah, it's Chris can relate. I think that was the the key word for him too. Oh yeah, it's funny because I still. I still kind of uh, I I I will put the thumb back on myself when my mom is around me for certain things. Well, you know, as as part of like childhood uh, and adolescent, um, the stages of childhood growth. I mean, there's there are parts of your childhood where identifying with your parent is very important, and you you want to mm-hmm. show that you know you're very much like your parent and you're clinging to them. And and then there comes a different point in your life where the identification of yourself as being different from your parents is very important and also different from your friends. The, the individual, uh, you know, individualism becomes a very important thing and one doesn't rule out the other. You can both want to identify yourself as being an individual while also wanting to identify with someone as being similar to them. So, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I partly define myself, you know, with my mom, like with the things that, that she's about, not in whole, you know what I mean? I've got, as I've grown up, I've kind of figured out who, who I actually am. And, but there's always that part that part of my identity is it's not something I can escape from or even want to separate myself from. And that stuff does still stem, you know, from my parents and yeah, I'm, and I'm fine with, wrong that. with that. I'd say that wraps this up, man. Thanks for being here, Jeremiah. It was a, quite a pleasure getting going through this uh, interview with you and um, anybody out there listening uh, if you do want to check out more of this awesome gentleman's works then uh, you can you can see them at the, the 13th floor which is what is it's uh, ttf13.com yep and we'll have a link to that on the website yay mm-hmm. yeah I'll uh, I'll give you guys a link to the uh, lighthouse short film and um, mm-hmm. once I publish the other one the Catsick blues one I'll send that your way as well, so you can update it. Awesome! Yeah, we'll, we'll include that on our uh, on on our part of the website as well. Q-Q. Cool. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks it was for awesome. Being no problem. Thank you for being here, and 
And thank you to anyone out there listening. Again, please do visit us at horrormakesushappy.com. We, uh, we have a schedule posted to show who we're going to be interviewing next, as well as people who we'd like to interview. So if you do know any of these guests and uh, you have any contacts, you can uh, send them our way. Otherwise, just you know, stop by the website and let us know how we're doing. Or it makes us happy.com. <laughs>